podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode three of our Rugby World Cup weekly show, our flagship weekly review show from all the action in France. We have guests from Wales and Scotland tonight with thankfully on a high following their round three victories. So welcome back on to David Arnott and to Yesen Thomas. Welcome back on lads. How are you doing Chief? It's always good to have you on and just for those at home important to remind you that the Ireland South Africa game, the the real game of the weekend, was covered in a in a prior podcast on the channel. In case you're in case you go looking for that or you're new to this series, we already have that covered. But our um named game of the week will again feature Wales. Warren Gatlin not only got the best of Eddie Jones again, but sentenced his side to a forty to six pummeling led by Gareth Anscombe, which means Australia are destined now to head to a a first pool stage exit. Just hopefully Fiji can hold up their side of the bargain on that. Of course, yes, to know it was a big win for Wales and a, a side of, of life in the nation as they qualify for the quarterfinals. Yeah, it's probably what Warren Gatlin would have wanted. Uh, free, all right, they didn't get the bonus point, but uh, it's definitely a good result, and they're going to cough at some point. So I apologize for that in advance. But um, it just, just just all went well for Wales. I thought the kicking game was good. I thought Gareth Davis kicked very well from nine. Obviously, they lost bigger after about 11 minutes, which was a bit of a blow at the time, I felt. But Gareth Anson came on, and credit to him, he was he was brilliant. And Nick Tompkins at inside centre was probably one of his best performances in the Wales shirt. And then up front, Ryan Elias was very good. His line was solid. Adam Beard had another fine game. Uh, pretty sure he was third on the tackle charts. And then you go the back row. I thought Rainwright was brilliant. Um, he's got a lot of pace behind him, and there's a lot of occasions where he just come out of nowhere to put loads of pressure on the Australian defence. And you got Jack Morgan, who was leading by example, even showing other backs how to kick properly. And then Tarubi again Fal- as well, not not for the first time again. And then Tarubi Falata was. To be Falatau. So, all in all, it was, it was a good performance for Wales. Uh, the Australian side was not the best. I remember joking to my dad last year about saying this wasn't the best Australia side I saw. And at the time, Wales were 32-15 or 32-14 up in Cardiff. And then, obviously, at the end of that game, we all know what happened there. And um, But but there's just... It just didn't look like there was much going for them, and, and yeah, it was just a bit. There was just nothing there. The, they had a couple of early scrum penalties, but in credit to Gareth Thomas, the way Lou said he he sussed it out and and got it right, and here again more credit to Adam Beard because he 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 just stopped any mole defence going at him just because he just got in the way and uh, and and it just it was just good performance all round by by the Welsh pack. Yeah, absolutely. And David, I, I suppose when you look at Australia, not it looks like they won't come out of the pool, and it's 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 disappointing in some regard because you know rugby is a small sport. You do want to see certain teams do well and all that. 
I know the Eddie Jones factor is, well, he's much maligned, as as we all know. But this is hugely disappointing for them as a country and everything. And it just feels like they've regressed so much over the last two years. Um, Like Scotland would have played them, in, I don't know if it was last year or the year before. And Ireland and Wales both played them. And, and they were good in those games. France as well. But it's just, they're a shadow of their former selves, aren't they? I can't believe how poor they are, to be honest. They they look devoid of anything. Not no ideas up front, no ideas in attack, no ideas in defence. And you've got Eddie saying that you're definitely gonna beat the Welsh and you know, when he when he got the job when it was you know, for former Warriors uh, coach Dave Rennie that was there before and yeah, they weren't doing great under them, but everybody Certainly a lot of the media in Australia seem to think that when Eddie Jones came in that all of a sudden they were going to be a World Cup one inside or they were going to be pushing for it and they're not going to be even close. Yeah. They've regressed massively, massively. And to, to be fair, I'd rather see Fiji go through. I think Fiji have played fantastically well so far. You know, they were pretty unlucky against the Welsh. They, they gave the Australians a good going over. And if you're playing that badly, you don't deserve to go through. No, that that's an element of it. But then at the same time, you look at the mistakes Australia are making, and there's no excuse for there's no excuse for right. Wayne Wright, you know, leading the chase on Jack Morgan's kick. You know, he's a number eight. There's no excuse for um, was it Valentini being caught out for for two of the tries? You know, Ben Donaldson, I believe, was caught out for the chip and chase. Like they're they are schoolboy errors across the board. That's the other side of it, and like it's it's tough, but probably to. Because we do need to talk about Australia as, as well as Wales. Like, you do get the sense that even if Eddie Jones hadn't come in, or sorry, if he hadn't come in, that they'd have been, okay, they'd have just scraped out of the pool at the very least. And you never know, with, with that side of the draw, you could get a semi-final or, or whatever. But, like, the fact that they're set to go home now, you know, Eddie Jones and that ad, he said, we're not going for the cross-offs. Well, you are. Like, because they, this was just... This was embarrassing for them, you know. Like the talk of him potentially eyeing up the Japanese job. It's it. It just reminds me so much of the charade with the Stormers and with England back in twenty fifteen, where he already has his eyes on another place, and it's it's it must be dispiriting. And he threw Carter Gordon to the Lambs. He 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 has really you know murdered this Australian team's chances in so many ways. And <clears throat> the other side of it, yesterday is. Warren Gatlin came back in, had a poor Six Nations, but he 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 figured out what he was going to do for the World Cup in that Six Nations. You could see them problem solving as they went along, and you got into guys like Jack Morgan now, who had a really good championship, a really good World Cup so far. You have you know Rio Dyer's come onto the scene and has has done well, you know, and and players like this, you know, Shunza as well at Exeter and. Garrett Davis had had a really good game last night, as did Garrett Anscombe. And it just, it's so polar opposite to see, you know, when you see where Wales and Australia were last year, this time last year, and then compared to now, like no one probably said they'd have won by 30 points, but like still it's it's remarkable how the difference in in how these two sides have gone. I think Wales have stepped up massively. Because I'll be honest and say, I don't think much of Wales going into this tournament. And he has really got a hold of them. He's, yeah. he's, I shouldn't be surprised. It's Gatland. We all know what you're going to get. You know, he's going to, he's going to improve any team, but 
you know, going in the Six Nations form, they looked, they didn't look great. Previous games didn't look great, and all of a sudden, you know, they're going to be in the semi final. Yeah, no, it's it certainly looks and, like that. And, yeah, and look, pushing on to to Wales in in particular, just the the individual side of things. Like if they do get to that that semi final, they do make that mark. It will have been was it three semi finals for Warren Gatland if they can if they can get that far, and it's far removed from the Pivac era. Just yes, and just to get your thoughts on it before before we move on, like you do have players like Jack Morgan, who I mentioned Shunza. Resam at Dyer, these younger players are coming up as well. Granted, the Welsh under twenties haven't done well in recent years, but there is still a cohort of, of talented players coming through. But yes, like may, maybe I'm not asking the right person this question, but there is there is shades of say 2011 of this Welsh team where they just got a young team. They said, right, this is what we're going to do. This is going to be the style of play. They all bought in, and by the time the World Cup had come around. They were firing, and there's there's kind of an element to that about this this 2023 year under Gatland. Yeah, I think there's probably, obviously, as you said, resemblance 2011. There's a few experienced players in there, you know, Dan Bigger, Liam Williams, George North, um, and, and players like that. Uh, Thomas Francis, for example, all senior players with well over 50 caps. And then you've got the younger lot coming through, Jack Morgan, um, Louis and players like that but um, probably the, the reason why there's been an uptick in performance is is definitely not down to the value um, it, it, I think Gatlin just spending so much time with that group with that group of players is probably that, that, that is the reason why and 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 it, it just just it just is you know when they, they started off, Early July, late June, something like that. Obviously, they've been to Turkey and to Switzerland, and but but people mustn't forget the the mess that the WIU have created underneath the national side. It's all well and good seeing Wales played three, one three, and two games, which you thought at the start of the year, oh, it's a little bit tricky. But um, you know, supporters need to 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 go back to the regional grounds, go back to the local grassroots game. And support that level of rugby, because this international success is not going to happen for much longer, with the way that the the current situation is in Wales. As you mentioned, in the twenties, I think in the twenties have improved a lot, uh, especially this summer in the in the twenties World Cup. Um, they 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 beat. Oh, I can't remember now. They give the All Blacks a, a good game. They beat Japan. And they, they they fell off in the end against France, but um, and then they had a, a chaotic eighty minute affair against Australia, which was quite fun to watch actually. But but obviously we've seen success on the international level. Now the next step for the WIU is it was something they didn't do probably about a decade or two decades ago. Is a really support underneath that international level to maintain the high standards. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And it's. It's a question we'll probably get into across the the URC season as well is just kind of the gap between international and and regional. It's 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 probably one thing that Gatland is not going to fix is, is that gap because it if he didn't do it in the ten years prior, he's not going to do it now. If we're being realistic, and we'll we'll stick with our with our URC brothers and we'll move on to to Scotland, who are also our Pool B rivals. To be fair, as they ran out 
45-17 winners over Tonga in Nice. David, it was it was an important win for Scotland, and I don't want to be the the big headed Irish lad here, but did we see enough to suggest that they're ready for that Irish test? Because at the same time, they did score two tries at the very end. You know, it was it was nip and tuck for large passages, and you, you would you'd definitely want to have seen a little bit more, or at least that would have been my sense before they play Ireland. Yeah, uh, I think on the on the face of it, a much better performance than we had against South Africa. Um, you know, we actually played um, some decent stuff for 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 long periods. We did turn up in the second half, which we didn't do against South Africa. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I personally, I came away from the game yesterday and thought, eh. you know, it what it was. Don't get me wrong, Tonga are, Tonga are a decent team. They're big lads, they're physical. Um, we've certainly seen that side of it. You know, you, you can argue that there potentially could have been a couple of red cards. Well, there was one red card and could have been another one. Um, they are physical. They are going to give you a game. They're not a pushover. But I just felt a wee bit flat coming away from it. I didn't think to myself... Fantastic, that's exactly what we need. Yep, we got the victory, yep, we got the bonus point, that was all vital in keeping our, our chances alive. But it needed to be, in my opinion, it needed to be a wee bit more. We needed to respect them and, and possibly to put a few more points on them um, and be a little bit more dominant. And I don't think we did that. So are we ready for the Irish? After Saturday night, probably not. Let's be honest. Yeah. I know you. I know you covered it in the other pod, but the, the Irish were fantastic on Saturday night. No, no doubts about it. Fantastic, and it shows why they are the number one team in the world. Um, are we there yet? No. Let's be honest. So, yeah. I, I think it will be. I think we have to step up our game massively massively in order to do anything against the edge and that's being truthful and I don't want to dwell too much on it because we'll, we'll probably have yourself on either before or after that that Ireland game you know give it the full the full treatment but you know Scotland like their points difference now is, is plus 13 because of like it's it's not ideal yes they'll, they'll put up a score on Romania but if on the very slight chance we have three teams finishing on 14 or 15 points as unlikely as it is, Scotland are are um, quite a distance behind the the other two in terms of points difference. And I suppose is it a case that you would have liked to have seen them score more, or was it was it ever on the cards? Because personally, I didn't get to see it. We were recording the South Africa pod at the same time as that match. But what was your thoughts on on Scotland's attack? Because as well, it's it's important to note they were fairly shut down by by Scotland. Or apologies, by South Africa. Yeah, we were, I mean, we were certainly. Oh, sorry, Andy, go. I was, I was about to say, it's quite a good first half performance from Tonga. I thought um, mm-hmm. uh, they, I think it was Cat, the winger, that took his try really well. I thought he had a really good first half, and um, it was especially when he we sent Van der Merwe flying, which is something nobody's ever seen before, and um, and they they made it they made it tough for Scotland, and. Um, you know they took that that cat to try very well, 
and and then Big Ben came from nowhere and scored a, a second try, which which he thought at the time. He thought, oh, this might get a little bit interesting. But then Scotland showed a bit of professionalism and got a bit better in attack during the second half, and and they they ran away with it in the end. But against South Africa, they were shut down. They had that one brilliant opportunity in the first half when they should have passed it out wide. I can't remember which winger had the ball in hand. I want to say it was that. Dar- Darcy Graham, yeah. Yeah, and and if they took that, I think it's a completely different ball game against the Springboks. Um, and obviously, second half, he didn't fire, mainly because the bomb squad came on and sorted them out up front. And that, w- that was it for Scotland, basically. So they need probably a response against Romania. I, I can't see them reaching the heights of what South Africa and Scotland did. Uh, and South Africa and Ireland did, sorry. Um, in terms of getting up to that 70-80 point mark, I still think they'll easily achieve the bonus point. Um, but they need to up their game a lot, especially in the set piece if they want to take Ireland on in the, in the final pool game for the chance of qualifying if they get yeah. the five points next week. Yeah, and they do have that duct against Ireland. You know, the the stat was, it looks like Scotland have to stop Ireland from getting a bonus point of any kind. They haven't actually done that since 2001. You know, well, I, I, even though bonus points haven't been, haven't been a feature the whole whole length, but, you know, that's they've generally had to grind it out to beat Ireland, so they, it would be incredibly difficult for them to do it. Um, Finally, just before we move off, they play Romania at the weekend, David, like, which way do you think Gregor Townsend's going to go? Because obviously Ireland went full strength against Romania. They wanted to lay down a marker. Scotland, realistically, it's just get a bonus point to move on to Ireland. But if there's doubts in their performance, which your comments would suggest there is some at least, does he double down and, and back his his full strength team to, to get the job done and come in on confidence? Uh, I think... I think I think do you know the the biggest problem I think we've had in the, probably this pool is the fact that we had the South Africa game first and then two weeks off. I think that's been a massive uh, I would say a massive hindrance because obviously we've lost that first game and then to have two weeks straight away off, you know, if we'd maybe had like the Tonga game the week after and then a week off and then the Romania game, we can give some guys a rest. I think he won't necessarily want to weaken his team against Romania because we do need to go and chase the points. Um, I can't see us scoring 70 or 80, I've got to be honest with you, but we do need to go and chase a high total. Um, So that would suggest a full-strength side. But, you know, one of of the topics that we're going to come on to, look at DePaul, do you want to take that risk? Do you want to take that risk on a fun Russell? With a Van der Merv, you know, yeah, they can be injured in training, of course, but do you want to put them in game time? I don't know. So uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a tricky one for him to try and balance. I think he might find a couple of changes here and there, but I think he's going to have to stick with the nucleus of the same side. Um, if he unless he wants to go out to the other guys and say prove a point, you you know, to to play against Ireland next week. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be a tight rope for him to 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 balance that 
let's go and chase as many points as we can against let's not pick up as many injuries as possible. And there's players, you know, <clears throat> who haven't featured in this World Cup yet for Scotland as well, which, which we should be mindful of. Ben Healy, formerly of Munster, is is one of them. That's kind of why I was I was asking the question to see which way you go. And it's it's important for Townsend to get that balance right, as you said, because it's yeah, you could hammer Tonga with, or Romania, apologies, with your full strength team, but if you do get that one injury, there's always that what about rate that'll come up from you know the hypotheticals like you know. Dupont could easily got injured in French training the same way that so many training injuries have happened as well. And I, I suppose we'll get into it more when, when the week of it comes. And listen, hopefully Scotland don't get the bonus point this weekend and then the, the task comes a little bit easier for Ireland. But there's there's really no way that that's happening if if we're being honest with ourselves here. Um, We'll, we'll move on now, unfortunately. French strikes and French delays always seem to be a case we're supposed to have Ed Price um, joined us this evening, but he couldn't make it due to French air traffic control issues, uh, as is always the case. So I'll I'll just take a run through that England game as, as they trounced Chile 71-0. On, on Saturday afternoon, Henry Arundel scored five tries. Like, it's it's a remarkable achievement, and no matter what way you look at it. Like, I suppose I'll kind of open the floor, whichever one that you want to jump in. A lot of people are head pessimistic of England, Heading into this tournament, like it was, it it was pretty dire stuff they played in the in the Summer Nation series. But now it looks like it could be Fiji that's standing away getting into a semi final, and like that's that's surely an achievement for Steve Water considering considering where he was. Whichever winner you wants to take that, I think I think the can consider themselves pretty lucky in, in many respects. They, they were very poor in the summer and they, you know, they could be coming up against a Fijian team who are high off of beating them just a few weeks ago. Uh, the one that, the one in that group that surprised me is Argentina. I think Argentina have been really poor. I'm, I'm, I'm very surprised at just how bad they've been. Um, I think, with all due respect to them, they they stuck to their game plan brilliantly against Argentina, but I think England have benefited massively off a poor Argentinian team because that really set the marker. I think that was the that was the game that they really had to win um, and going down to 14 so early, I thought Argentina would step up and didn't, and I think that's benefited England massively. And to be fair to them, their confidence, their confidence has grown um, each time off of each game. And, you know, None of us were expecting a shock against Chile. We were probably expecting them to put a decent score. Seventy six is maybe more than we were probably expecting. To be fair, no, it's it's true. And like, yes, and I'll, I'll pass it over to you now. Like, England are in a in a situation now where it feels like we can't judge them properly because, as David said, Argentina were so poor in that opening game. Chile haven't put up a fight. Japan just met way too many errors to win, to win a test game. And unless Samoa do something, England won't be tested. I know it's unlikely that we'll see a Wales-England quarterfinal, but like with the way England are playing versus the way Wales are playing, one is dominant in their victories and one is, well, they're both dominant, but against kind of different standard of of opponent, you could add. Would you be confident if, if it was an England-Wales quarterfinal in, in four weeks' time, three weeks' time? Firstly, I wouldn't say all the Wales victories have been dominant. 
being far from it. I thought the Fiji game will get a tad lucky and Portugal was a little bit of a struggle until Falatau crossed for the bonus point right at the death. And obviously whatever happened last night happened last night. That was uh, it was probably mainly down to a poor Australia. But I really don't know where England are at the minute. Because if they carry on playing that style of rugby, I know everyone goes on about it, but if they carry on celebrating those small victories, they're slowly building that momentum and a little bit more momentum. And they're gonna they could easily reach a semi final. And it's probably one of the worst things I'd want to happen if Wales played England in the quarter final. Just in case England would have won. Otherwise, uh, I wouldn't be very happy uh, for starters. And um, and and, and yeah, it, it, you know, it's gonna it'd be a real clash of nutrition as there'd be two sides who will be really focused on a, a kicking battle, nearly as much as what France rely on their kicking, and really slugging it out for a place in the semi final. As as for Argentina. Yeah, they've been poor. I thought Buffelli was brilliant against Samoa. He's one of the only ones that really shone. And yeah. I was a little bit little bit disappointed with Samoa. They went to handle there as they did. But then again, it was pouring down the weather. The weather that on that Friday afternoon didn't look very pleasant at all. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on against Japan because I think as things stand, Samoa currently sits second in that pool. Obviously, they still got to play England, which is going to be the trickier of couple of trickier of the last games they've got, um, with Argentina and Japan just just beneath them. So, um, yeah, I I I probably would fancy Argentina in the quarter final. I don't think my nerves my nerves could take a Wales England uh, quarter final. I think I I'd just be glad that it wasn't a Wales England final if I was being brutally honest, because I yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to take uh, that as a, a final defeat. But um, but but yeah, I I look at Pool D and I, I'm quite quietly confident to say, just in case Wales go back to their past and throw fifteen point leads or twenty minutes to go or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, no, that's fair. But seeing as we touched on Argentina Samoa, we're gonna talk about it at the end. Why as we get into it now? No, personally, I didn't see this game because I was in, in Galway at the Connacht Munster preseason friendly. So, yes, to not, I'll leave this to you. Samoa or Argentina came out on top, but all the talk from from most places was it was a pretty average performance and victory. Like, again, kind of like England, how much can you take away from it? Because it feels like they've, whatever about England, and they've been getting the job done with a, a a style, no matter what way you want to put it, Argentina just look they're they're hobbling through this World Cup. Yeah, back to England. I think there's been some elements of their game which has worked quite well, except for maybe the odd tactical kick was by Alex Mitchell against Japan. I think their kicking game was has been solid over the first two two matches. But um, as for Argentina Samoa, yes, some people weren't. Uh, we're quite vocal about the the standard of play. The the conditions weren't brilliant. I thought Argentina took their first try really well with Buffelli. And it just felt like Samoa had the advantage up front for the remainder of the first half. And they just couldn't find a way to get get over the line. And by the time by the time they did near the end, it, I think it was just a little bit too late and they go within a score and they just couldn't get that 
second score to to really make it uh, interesting and potentially win them the game. But um, Buffetti's boot is still one of a kind. Um, I, I watched him up in Edinburgh in the URC last season, and you can just kick the ball miles. I'm pretty sure from uh, the the damn health or the or the hive, I think it's called now. I'm pretty sure he could kick it from underneath this post and probably end up in Murrayfield uh, with Buffetti. But um, but yeah. You can't really take much out of it as there's quite a lot of errors out of that game. Um, I think Samoa will be a little bit disappointed that he didn't take chances. Uh, they had a couple of really good opportunities, uh, but they failed to take them through handling errors or just the odd mistake. And um, But yeah, Argentina find, find a way to win again. And I suppose, David, like it's been talked about. I... I... It's probably testament to just the way the pools have panned out. But as a Scotsman, you you must be thinking if we were in that pool, you know, like it it feels like Scotland are better than every team in Pool D, and obviously they're stuck with the world champions and the world number one. Like it's it must be somewhat disappointing. Like it's surely crossing your mind at some point when you see these these games. Aye, let's be honest. It's about my signal. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I would. You know, we're never we're never overly confident going into games against against top tier nations. But looking at Paul D, I would think I'd be disappointed at the moment if we didn't beat England and didn't beat Argentina. And that's no disrespect to them. I just think that we are playing better than both of those two teams, and we would probably be top of that group. Um, but yeah, we just get the world champions and the world number one. So you know, you have to beat those teams to to win the world cup, I suppose. That just although we haven't, we haven't beaten one of them. Yeah, I mean that's just gone from zero to one hundred. I'm like, you, you could you'd have a better chance getting out of the pool. Well, we could win it if we beat Ireland. It's like, come on, man. one step at a time. <laughs> I hope this doesn't come back to bite me. I've had a lot of Scotland comments over the last weekend. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'll stick with you. Um, the probably the real game of the week, um, despite having so little on the line, was was in Toulouse, Georgia and Portugal playing out that 18, <clears throat> 18 draw. Both sides missing kicks to win it at the deaths as well. But you know the the. The grand scheme of it is Georgia were tipped by Manny to keep pace in Pool D at the very least with, with Fiji, with Australia and with Wales. They do have to play Fiji uh, um, and Georgia yet, or Fiji and, and Wales yet, I should add. But like it, it's been Portugal who stole the hearts and probably should have won this game. Yeah, obviously we saw last year what Georgia could do. They beat Italy, they beat Wales uh, last year and they were very good, for, very good value for money that day. On those days, I should say, but it feels like the Portugal have taken the hearts of many uh, neutral supporter in this World Cup, and a little bit underwhelming on Georgia's point of view. I thought they would have, no offense to Portugal, but I thought they would have beaten them regardless. Uh, and I, but but then again, I thought Portugal were were brilliant in some. Aspects their their backfield is a joy to watch, and uh, I believe the winger I've forgotten his name. Let oh, I think it's Shorty, the winger 
he scored twice. And the, the second one is superb. And then obviously Georgia claw their way back through it with their pack and a late try setting up a late conversion in the 79th minute to win the game. That goes wide. And you thought Portugal just going to play for the draw, they'll take the draw and that'll, that'll be the end of that. Uh, but they win the um, they win the turnover penalty and the flow on the breakdown. And you're thinking, wow, that, that not many would have expected that at the start of the day. But unfortunately, the final kick from uh, fullback Guedes, who has been sublime throughout this tournament, drifts wide. I watched this at Sardis Road uh, when I was covering a game between Pontypridd and um, and Merthyr, and the my laptop froze just as he took the kick. Oh, so <laughs> a quick, the quickest refresh, a re, um, refresh of a laptop I've ever done. And then it just drifted wide. Oh, it, it was a gut wrencher from what I could see. But um but yeah, credit to Portugal. I think I think they have surprised many. I think many expected them to be what Chile and Romania have produced in, in their pools. Not but but they've they've really stood up and, and really thought hard in their opening two games. Yeah, no, absolutely. They they have and it's been their their brand of rugby, as you said, like they scored that second try was was an absolute peach. And if world rugby weren't so stringent on clips, it would be all over the place. But you know, what what you could see in Ireland, you can't see in England, and and so on, and so forth. David, Scotland played Georgia in in the final. I believe it was the final Summer Nation series game, and right. you know Georgia got off to a fast start, as Siestin said that they beat Italy, they beat Wales last year. For them, may, maybe they upset the apple cart and they take Fiji down with all that expectation on Fiji. But it it, re, it has been disappointing for, for them, it feels like. Aye, yeah, I would say so. I, I must admit, I know it was a, I know it was the last test um, before before the, the, the World Cup, but I was quite disappointed in Georgia, I have to say. Um, yeah, they, they kind of Puffed and puffed and did well for the first half in that game, but second half they fell away completely. And I think that's I'm quite surprised at how bad I'm not how bad that's a, that sounds terrible. I'm quite surprised, uh, surprised that they haven't kicked on um, and that they haven't played some better stuff. Um, you know, especially with like the, the the good wins that they've had, the Italy, the Wales, things like that. You know. They're always on the cusp of people are saying that it should be in the Six Nations and this that. And I, think, I don't think they've shown it this tournament so far. You know, they've not shown the reason why they should be there. No, that that's perfectly fair. It has been that level of performance that it has looked like a tier two side when a lot of other games they played, even in the last World Cup, they looked like a, a tier one, tier one and a half team. We just pool eight cover now, lads, and it's kind of because of the lopsided nature of Poulet that we always seem to leave it last. The, the games have been fairly one-sided. And David, I'll, I'll come to you for, for the Thursday night rugby clash between France and Namibia down in Marseille. I, I know it's 96-0. There's, there's really nothing you can say about that apart from scoring nice tries. But the, all the talk is Antoine Dupont's facial injury. It feels like, well, it certainly seems like he's going to be back for the quarterfinal. 
But if they were to lose Dupont for for a quarter, it is it would be a hammer blow for France's chances. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not there's not many teams in the world that can afford to lose the 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 world's best player. France are probably in the fortunate position that they're maybe one of the ones who can get away with it. Um, but still a huge blow, just a huge blow for the tournament. You know, you want to see the best players. You want to see them doing their stuff. You want to see Dupont matching up with the rest, the, the best of them. Now, on the face of it, it seems crazy that they started in a game like that. Uh, yet, you know, I made the argument earlier on, you've got to get fitness, you've got to get confidence, you've got to keep your match match fitness up. But it seems mad that they that they decided to start them in a, in a game like that, that they weren't. With all due respect to Namibia, they were clearly going to win. Um, so it's a massive, massive blow for them. But I think, as crazy as it sounds, it probably happened at the right time to give them a little bit of space to get back. You know, they've got the week off, they've got the Italy game, they're already be through by that point, they don't need to play them. And then I think their quarter-final is at the 15th of October or something like that. So they're looking at just shy of, Kind of three, uh, three, three and a bit weeks um, to give some kind of recovery time. Um, I've seen those reports today. They're talking about being fitted for a mask once the once the swelling's gone down a wee bit. So it's possibly happened at a decent time as as decent a time as it could have been. Feeling you know, feeling being slightly earlier. If you lose him in the Italy game, you know he's never going to come back in time for it. So. It's probably they've probably just been lucky. Yeah, no, that that's there is that element of luck in it, and I suppose yes. And to to move on to the positive side of things, David mentioned you want to see the best players playing the best stuff, and and one man who ticked that box was Damian Penol. I mean, he scores try for fun anyway, so to do it against Namibia is is no surprise. He's in a World Cup that has had you know some tier two outside backs, you know, Ireland had Mac Hansen shining and we mentioned the Welsh backline purring. Damien Penhaw also reminded us that he is one of the best in the game as well, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I really don't get how he does it because it looks like he's just jogging around the around the entire pitch <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's just bursted down 80 metres and he's just scored underneath the post. So I'd love to know how he does it because it just looks like he's just having a little Sunday stroll around some sort of park. But um, no, he's, he's for me, I think he's probably the best winger on the planet. I think given the ball in a little bit of space and he just does some magnificent stuff. I think on a point for DuPont, if he is ruled out of the quarters, um, the, a positive that France could take is with having... Yali Bear and Luku at outside half uh, as halfbacks, and they know each other inside out because they play with each other at Bordeaux. So, yeah. I, it, it, obviously, it's a massive blow having Dupont, but um, not having Dupont rather. But uh, Luku and Yali Bear, they 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 they're club they're club mates with each other, and I'm sure they could go fine in a in a high pressure international test. But yeah, Pino's ridiculous. I thought, um, I think it's Billy Billiard. I cannot pronounce, yeah, Biari, yeah. I cannot pronounce the other winger's name, but he was brilliant as well. Um, I, I stuck him in my fantasy team, uh, which was a, a, a sneaky addition. 
and um and and yeah you know oh, no no disrespect to Namibia I just thought France would, would just you know good value and sadly it's come at the uh, the disappointment of potentially losing Dupont absolutely and <clears throat> we like to every once in a while throw in the the fantasy side of things and that fantasy game and one of my leagues, I was reminded I was the only person in the top ten who didn't have Penno because he was he was that good on the night. I had Biagbiari and Dupont, so I was fine. But the only one who didn't have Penno, maybe I just assemble a better team than everyone else. We'll we'll finish things off with again a, a really entertaining game. It was a Wednesday afternoon kickoff when Uruguay took on Italy, but the Italians, well, they didn't start great, did they? But they clawed back a ten point deficit to to win that one. And now, dare I say, they have a free shot at, at qualifying by playing the All Blacks on Friday night. It, even, even that feels like it's, it's a step too far, but you never know. Um, th- This is m- my game to take anyway. And, uh, like, again, Uruguay looks really strong. And we did a preview, and Paul Tate was on with us, and, and Eugenio Asensiano. And he, he did, they did, they both said, you know, this is the game that Uruguay were going to target. And it certainly looked like that, didn't it? It was. They they came out strong. They looked like they'd easily figured out an attack, and obviously just attack from everywhere, which is one of their major downfalls. And like it looked like Italy were going to crumble under that kind of. They had to win pressure. So many of their wins come when you kind of you know you don't expect it to happen. But to be fair, their second half proved there there shouldn't have been any real doubt. Like there was a couple of questionable calls and all that, but it was convincing in its end in the end and. It'll it'll secure third spot, which is important as well because you wouldn't want to see them having to go through the qualification route under um Kisada, the new the new head coach. And David, we we've talked about Italy so much in terms of Six Nations conversations, URC conversations, and and just general tier one rugby type things. It was important for them to get this win, but it does still feel like they're it will it would be a major shock if they if they shocked France or or the All Blacks, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, and and I mean, I'll quite happily come back on here and apologise if that's the case, but it won't happen. It won't happen. They they don't they don't have they don't have the eighty minute game to 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 beat a France or a New Zealand at this moment in time. They would they would have to have a stinker both both teams for that to happen. Um, they're they're always they're always there or thereabouts. They're not they're not an easy team to beat. You know, the the the, the team of old, the Italian team that used to be used to be reasonably easy, unless you were Scotland. Um but most teams could could put a good score on them. They've made themselves harder to beat, but not won a hell of a lot off the back of it. Um, I, I can't see them causing any shock. Uh, I really can't. What I will say is I, I've been really impressed with Uruguay in the way that they play. I think they, they have made a huge step up and shown why they deserve to be there. Um, they, there's a few of their players that you could you could imagine in the, the Maybe kind of lower teams in the Premiership or a few URC sides, um, but they've got they've got a decent squad. But yeah, 
I'd be shocked if Italy did anything against either of those two. I just don't see it. They might run them close, but I can't see them winning. Yeah, and I suppose, yes, and that, that's kind of the consensus that everyone has, that even though this looks like a poor all-back scheme and a good Italian team and like the same story with the French, running them close is probably the best they can do. So is coming third, if if that's how it pans out, is coming third still a successful World Cup, would you say, or should they feel somewhat disappointed? Like, it is still New Zealand and France that's in the pool with them. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, third is probably what they expect for now. I think they've recently obviously done the, the development programme they've installed, thanks to Colin O'Shea. And I, I, obviously, they probably looked at this World Cup, but I wouldn't say it's the big do-or-die do World Cup that, that it is for Italian rugby. Um, a word on Uruguay. Manuel Adajo, the blindside flanker, was superb uh, the other night. Um, he can win a turnover, so I can say he was brilliant. Pretty sure he won about five or six, and about three of them were in the first half, and they were brilliant. Brilliant jackal turnovers, and then obviously Italy woke up a little bit. They played a bit, boxed a bit more smart, and they they scored a couple of nice tries. But um, I think it depends on on how these two games go. If they push France and New Zealand quite close, then they could probably take a bit of success out of the tournament. If they get blown out the park, then they they probably look at it thinking that's a really big opportunity missed. I'm not going to come out and say that Italy are going to beat the All Blacks on Friday. They will push them close, I think. I think probably the last 10 or 15 minutes will be a little bit tough, and I think the All Blacks will, will run away with it. But but yeah, it, it just depends on how those two... If they can, they can keep it close, and you know, for about 60, 65 minutes, it, they, they probably take something out of the entire tournament, finishing third. But if they get hammered then they, they probably look back and think, oh, it's a real shame, that. Absolutely. And it, we don't want to see them get hammered either because we've seen, I'm not saying it would be a 96 nil again, but that's also not what we want to see in the World Cup because, well, for many reasons, it's just not competitive as above all else. Gentlemen, I, I, we'll leave it at that for tonight because that's all seven games covered. And thank you so, so much for coming on. We'll be sure to have you on again. And of course, David being... Scotsman will have to bring you on for the hopefully for around the time of the Ireland game and we won't we won't pretend that we won't have our own vested interest in that one at the very least and yes then again thanks for coming on um to talk about Wales who are doing even better than we expected I suppose Ireland's off week this week means it will be a break for myself but we will be back for a week four round four recap show early next week. So again, thanks to home, thanks to the lads for, for coming on and thanks to everyone at home for listening. If you do like what you see or hear, please do subscribe and you'll find the links for, for my channels as well as the lads' social media pages down below. But for now and until next time, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.